Suncast is brought to you by SunGrow, providing clean power for all. Suncast is also brought to you by Trina Solar. Hey there, Solar Warriors. I'm Nico Johnson, and this is Suncast. Each week, I pull back the veil on the life and business insights of clean tech entrepreneurs building the most noble and impactful companies of our time. I hope what you learn from this conversation is a catalyst for your own growth. So thanks for tuning in and welcome to our tribe. Hey, welcome Solar Warrior. This is a rare and special opportunity for a live, and this is almost near real time live as we just produced these daily roundup episodes within the last 12 hours. The one that you're going to hear was just produced the evening before, and I hope that you are getting ready to enjoy the RE Plus show, or if it's already uh, time for the show to have come to a conclusion and you are just sort of catching up, I hope that you are enjoying the conversation that we've had here. These daily roundups give you insight into what is happening at the show, what's the sentiment at the show, how are some of the folks that we think are more tapped in to the happenings at the show? How are they seeing the show unfold? What should you be looking forward to if you happen to be listening to this in time to leverage this information for yourself ahead of planning each day as you go, as we'll be publishing these before the day fully gets rolling. But at the very least, it's a view for you into the trends and the conversations unfolding and unfurling before us here in Anaheim at the RE Plus 2022 conference, formerly SPI. Hope that you enjoy these and stick around for more. If you are here in Anaheim, please come by and see us at the Media Zone. It is booth 438. It is right across from Hyundai, Umco, and Talison. Really easy to find right in the show, right in the main part of the show floor. You can, of course, watch us stream live from the Power Up Media Zone at suncast.live. And you can check out the entire agenda for all the work we're doing at the Media Zone at re-plus.com forward slash Media Zone. All right, here we go. Thank goodness for the last three days, Graham Whitley has kept us on track <laughs> to start and stop the recordings, to keep the levels right. Beautiful. Round of applause to our nice operations job, team. Nice job. I'd like to, but as we start here, I would like to give a round of applause to the real life crew, the video crew that made our live stream yeah. possible. Thanks, awesome. thanks as well to SunGrow and Tygo who also supported so that we could bring the live stream to life. It cost three times more than we thought it would when we originally said, hey, this would be a good idea. And I really, really appreciate the real life team. You guys are super pro. If anybody needs video work to live stream at your events, contact Andres Torcios at Real Life. He did not ask me to give that commercial, but it is a hearty endorsement. These guys are super pro. You guys are amazing. Thank you. I also want to give a round of thanks for the Suncast team that behind the scenes has helped to make this whole thing possible. Jenny Smith is our show manager. She kept the trains on time. So like just none of this would have really happened if Jenny wasn't so diligent in helping plan and, and schedule and organize. Sophie McNamara was our guest reception and marketing specialist. Thank you, Sophie. 
And she really helped to amplify on the social. If you see anything happening right now on any of my social channels, it is not me. I'll just full disclosure say that Sophie has learned to effectively clone herself as Nico. And I think that any good company right now, any good team that has thought leadership has to figure out how to do that, right? Yeah. I mean, I <laughs> candidly, I think you're doing it fantastic. Uh, it's not something that I'm able to do really with like a lot of people, but you know, the, the, uh, it's, I can see that you're growing in a way that's really awesome. So I'm really happy for that. It's amazing. The difference in audio, uh, in sound, isn't it? The, yeah. the bleed like, from that, from that microphone. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We just turned, we just muted one of the channels and, uh, it's unbelievable the difference in sound that it makes. <laughs> So we're going to we're going to bring that channel back up in just a moment. I just wanted to say also thanks to Nate Giovanelli for hosting our industry pulse. He's going to come up in a few moments time to help us finish the roundup. And uh, last but not least, once again, thanks to our presenting sponsor, Fluence, who really did kick in and help make all of this possible. So the dream of the podcast lounge, which is now the media zone, could come to life. I mean, Josh and I sort of noodled on this idea three and a half, four years ago, and it's and it really has come to life, and it's, I'm really excited that we've been able to do it. I want to dig into something that's very interesting, and that is local manufacturing. Oh, cool. Local manufacturing here in the United States. And there's a company that I've recently met that has been working for the last four years to bring local manufacturing to the United States. They've, they're, they're actually the largest manufacturer in uh, is it, it's Europe and uh, SME, right? Mohammed, Mohammed Shade from is the chief commercial officer, chief development officer of uh, Philadelphia Solar. Hi, Nico. Hi, Josh. Uh, my, my name is Mohammed Shahada. I'm the chief commercial officer of Philadelphia Solar. Yeah. Well, Josh and I are probably going to ask you some really geeky questions. Sure. But first of all, I <laughs> wanted to, for those who perhaps are unfamiliar with Philadelphia Solar generally, it's a company from Jordan that has a huge presence in Europe. And because of the nature of our uh, kind of xenophobia here in the domestic markets, we aren't as familiar with the brands that don't have a presence already in this market, right? So tell us a little bit about Philadelphia Solar, and then we'll talk about the work that you've been doing to stand up a physical presence in the United States. Sure. Uh, So Philadelphia Solar established in 2007. Uh, We established as a PV panel manufacturer. But today we have a little bit different structure. We are more like a holding company that have several revenue streams. Uh, one of them is the manufacturing. So we have a 500 megawatt manufacturing line that exported to 52 countries. Uh, we have a 300 megawatt mounting system manufacturing line that exported to 14 countries. We have our EPC team as a second revenue stream and we have almost 400 megawatt as an EPC team wow. reference total. And we also have our development arms where we develop projects, sell electricity, and we build it on our own. So we have around 158 megawatt projects that is developed in Middle East. Fascinating. Whoa, there's a lot of different streams in that True. puzzle. Uh, different streams actually help us survive the up and downs in the market. And oh, yeah. uh, that several types of business carry each, o- each other and help us to grow uh, the, whole, uh, the whole profile. Right. And, and they're organized into separate actual teams of people. That exactly. Work exactly. Areas. We have around 500 person working in the company. Amazing. You, so I mentioned in the lead up that you've spent about four years working to get manufacturing here domestically. True. Can you, I mean, we're all, uh, not we're all, but many of us here are entrepreneurs that are listening. Can you talk to me a bit about the struggle, the journey of just trying to stand up manufacturing here in the United States, especially given that the IRA presumably is meant to help make this easier. So 
what's been your experience and how do you expect that now sort of that demarcation line with the Inflation Reduction Act, it's going to ful- become a fulfilled prophecy? So uh, I'll, I'll start where, where, where the whole idea come from. I mean, uh, it was like almost four or five years ago, uh, there was a RE Plus or SPI show in Vegas. And when we attend that show and we saw the domestic market demand, it was huge. And mm-hmm. we, we thought seriously to start the production in USA and we start our due diligence process. Um, uh, we found some several, uh, let's say, obstacles in the regulations. After Section 201301, it was obvious that manufacturing in the U.S. might work because it's protected against, let's say, anti-dumping. Right. When we started the process, we started due diligence. We started uh, to interview a lot of EDOs in the States. Uh, less down the States, we decide the location. We almost bought the location that yeah. we want to, to start production in. Then Section 201 was canceled. Who really dig deep in the, in the production process uh, will know that there is 7 out of 11 raw materials that is, pr- is used to produce a raw, the PV panel is under customs in the CBP. Yeah. That's regardless the source of materials. Yeah. And if you get it from China, you will pay another 25% more on, that, on top of that. So right. without a clear protection or subsidy, subsidy, it will not work. And that's why we stopped the plans, we canceled the whole, uh, the whole plan, and at least, at least we freeze it. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the IRA now in place, I think, uh, of course, I need to go back to the board and to, to, to explain the whole process, uh-huh. but I think that the project might be alive again, and uh, not at the same even size that we decide to start with, which one gigawatt. It might be either bigger, or we yeah. can go up or downstream more. Like maybe we'll go to the cells too. All that will depends on the on the on the financial side. We have we have to do some studies in the next one month, but I think we will come back with a decision very soon because it's who come first. That's really encouraging because you had those other revenue streams and you were able to kind of freeze one. And then when the legislation became where it needed to be, now you could say, okay, let's turn this back on potentially. Exactly. Right? That's, the different revenue streams always help us to be really a flexible company. You, I didn't realize uh, how, just how close your booth was to us on the show floor. We had a lot of traffic coming through. And going past here, so I know that they were going right Thank by, God. <laughs> right, right by your booth. What were, what was the general sentiment of conversations like at your booth? Uh, now, like after you know the full three days is complete, did it meet your expectations? And what was the what was the common theme of the conversation you were hearing? So uh, the first thing you mentioned was right. I mean, uh, to work with a company that don't have an existence in the U.S. is not mm-hmm. an easy decision for a lot of uh, U.S. companies, especially. Yeah let's say the local distributors or even some developers. And that's one of the points that will encourage us to have at least a local office here in, uh, in, the, yeah. in the US. But I, I will prefer to push for the manufacturing. In general, the feedback was great. Uh, the demand is there. We are competitive uh, in general. I mean, I can say that uh, because I, I, I could read the market reaction. And uh, I think that we can really do a great job in the next two years in the U.S. I, I, I believe if we do it right, you will find the name. I mean, uh, let's say it, it will show off more in the market. Absolutely. Yeah, I wonder, I mean, you know, you, they, you're in a position where you're looking at this new legislation and you're saying we can take another go at 
domestic manufacturing. You know, and it's like, do you see that there's going to be a ramp up of domestic manufacturing across the country right now? Are you hearing that kind of discussion uh, on the, on the show floor? Do you think it's going to be a like really aggressive kind of move? And also, how long does it take to go from point A through to the point where you're actually delivering product? Yeah. Given you know, it, we're so dependent on these legislations. I believe there will be a huge move. Uh, there is uh, a lot of talking, many big names. Now it's talking about starting manufacturing yeah. in the U.S. It, it is easy, but not that easy. I mean, you need to know the tricks. You need to understand the industry very well. Um, some companies can really do it very fast. I mean, if we want to move fast, we can do it within less than one year. Yeah. I can say nine months. Yeah. Other companies might need more time. There is a learning curve that, that you need to be through it. I mean, uh, for, new, for newcomers, it's not easy. I mean, yeah. we, we took 15 years and we are still learning. I wonder if, you know, and there are different types of manufacturing lines for the different types of PV, right? I wonder if it's obvious, given the state of affairs right now, which type of product you're going to develop the manufacturing line for. If it's like premium, you know, multi-20 step process type of manufacturing, or if it's another area that may be more for utility scale, or, you know, where, have you got a sense of where that, where that goes? I, I believe we can start with the residential, with the black panels, which is like niche panels. Yeah. Uh, I think this, this is the, the start. We can we can work on the utility scale if we start to be uh, two gigawatt and above. I mean, right. because the demand is high, you cannot wow. just book the whole capacity for one client. Uh, so we will focus on the small panels first, which is used mostly mainly for the rooftops. Maybe some uh, commercial industrial, but utility scale will be the next step. Interesting. Yeah, it's not easy uh, scaling anything. So my hat is off. To anyone who takes on the endeavor of standing up a manufacturing yeah. process, and in, in particular moving out of your home country, moving out of your home region into uh, a large market like the United States, where really thinking about your brand presence and uh, your partnerships is, is quite a change. It's quite a bit different from the way that you would do it in the Middle East or, uh, or in Europe, but clearly you've got experience moving from one market to another. So we wish you success. Did Thank you, you. Did you go ahead and book your booth for Vegas? Uh, yes, actually, we'll do that. We'll do that today. Yes, I would encourage you. Go do that <laughs> today. Of course we'll do it. I mean, it's, it's Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mohammed, I'll let you go. And so, you, so you, you and your team can go ahead and go lock down Th- your thank spot. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Great I appreciate to meet you. it. Thank yeah. you for taking your time to join us. All right. Last but certainly not least, we're going to have a little round table here with our buddy Nate Giovanelli, the co-host of our industry pulse. He's going to join us and uh, we're just going to have a little, we're going to talk shop about how the week went, going to dig in a little bit on what, uh, how Nate's conversations went and uh, have a little fun. Thanks, Nico. Good to see you, buddy. Excited to be back up here. Yeah. It's weird. Look at how uncomfortable you are in the microphone since I gave you a headset the whole week. (laughs) The the headset was way better. And this is the first time I'm sitting, but it's also the first time I've been on stage with you. It is. So how about that? We're capturing this moment. It's the first time that that we've been on stage together. I love it. I wanted to ask, you've been, over the last year, you have essentially positioned yourself in the industry as a thought leader. What's cool about that is that you actually, thought leaders do have to realize at a certain point that they have thoughts worth uh, communicating, right? One, and two, have to have had experience from which to cultivate deep thought. For those who are unfamiliar, can you give like the two minute bio of the sort of the development experience and expertise you have in the solar industry? Sure. No, I, I really appreciate that. I appreciate that, that you think that I'm positioning myself as a thought leader. So that, that's great. I must be doing something right. 
I would say that you know the the short version is that um, I saw an opportunity with a large energy company to come in with a, a new TPO product, which would be a leaser, a power purchase agreement. And I got my start about nine years ago. Started doing you know with nonprofits and just forging partnerships with some people might think are non-traditional. I, I know I was on your podcast and it's yeah. like. Isn't that a competitor? I, get, I still get that all the time, even in my current position. Yeah. Isn't that a competitor? I don't see anyone as a competitor. I love it. I think uh, no matter what you're doing, there's always an opportunity to work together to continue to grow your business. So it's been a great nine years. And, and now, as you know, I'm with, with Enterflow. Yeah. And um, we are streamlining the process from, from lead to PTL and having a lot of fun doing it. Yeah. You bought a lot of, uh, you bought a lot of projects over the years and uh, brought a lot of people opportunities that they weren't otherwise afforded to get their projects into reality, like bring them into life. So I love that you have such a deep uh, expertise. I thought it was great that you did something that I advocate a lot, which is if you're going to try and start a piece of, uh, of media content, try to do something that is tangential, something else that you love. Can you talk for a second about the motivation Mondays that originally were where you and I sort of cultivated this friendship and relationship around creating content? It's like all things, you know, it, it, First of all, I believe there's opportunity everywhere, yeah. like I said. And it's just keeping your eyes open. And, and mo most people just watch it pass by. And what started is the simplest of concepts, which was really, again, I, as somebody said earlier, I was uh, sort of remote working before remote working was cool. Right. I was working for a company based in Ohio. We had these executive meetings. And I noticed that they could read this whiteboard behind me. Yeah. And I started off just with simple, whimsical quotes, I would say. And it was just to catch their attention, yeah. have a good laugh before these uh, meetings started. I'm the only person that's virtual. Everyone else is in a conference room. It's like a 90-inch television. And from there, it started to get more motivational. And I, I think it was, it was you and, and some other fellow podcasters like, hey, you should turn this into something. Yeah, you can give me the credit. <laughs> of course. And uh, you know, so it went from just a posting simple things on a whiteboard to make people laugh, to try and give some inspiration. And then ultimately, 100%, it's for my kids. And it's funny because I, I started doing just a short clip and it's like, oh man, you got to turn that into video. So then I started videoing it and Nico's like, man, you got to get a better camera. And then once I heard myself <laughs> on your podcast, I'm like, I need a better microphone. That's for sure. So yes. started to slowly upgrade, you know, and it's been an amazing journey. And I, I think what most people don't know, again, it I'm doing it 100%. It's for my kids. So it's always topical. I do it every Monday. I've only missed one Monday. And it's when I was in Disney World this year. And I yeah. missed it on purpose because I'm doing this for my kids. So I'm not going to do it in line as I'm waiting to do the Tower of Terror right. with my kids. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of counterproductive. <laughs> but for almost two years now, every Monday, I've been putting out uh, a, a video, which then you said, you need to make this into a podcast. Yeah. So it's like a four to five minute quote that talks about something super relevant to my kid's life. And it, it really resonates with people and it's wild because it, I don't do it for any purpose, but my kids take the feedback so much better yeah. in this format, even if it's praise, which, which I find, you know, it's taught me a lot because sometimes when you give praise to children, you know, and I have a, a broad range of ages, they, they don't know how to take it. Sure. And no matter what, they have the time to digest this. This is what dad thought about that question I asked earlier this week or what's going on. Like a couple of weeks ago, you know, somebody came up to me that's very close in my life personally. He's like, 
oh, did your oldest son, did he break up with his girlfriend? I heard your, your Limitless podcast, your Monday Motivation. I, I said, yeah. So, so people close to me know what it's about. Right. And I love that. But outside of that, it's amazing how many people stop. And, and there's days, as you, as you know, I'm sure you had in the beginning, it's like, is anyone listening to this? Yes. <laughs> you know? Yes. But then there's days like these conferences, and there's this has been such an amazing con- The energy here has been something I didn't realize how much I missed. But people come up and they stop you. I true story yesterday i was um at one of the the many parties that were going on and on a rooftop bar and uh one of my colleagues is like i I think i know that person standing over there so do you want me to go find out who he is and uh i'll go up to him and i said hey i think i might know you and he goes you're nate giovanelli i said oh i do know you he said no you don't i follow you on linkedin i see your post i mean it never ends and it just takes that one time like so it's awesome you know obviously it's awesome and great you're doing it for your kids but it takes that that one person that reaches out to you and it yeah. and it doesn't have to be in a comment in a direct message and says hey you know i needed to hear that today or hey i sent that to my cousin she's going through something yeah. and so this happens more and more <laughs> i've I, I know exactly what you're talking about and it's so um, meaningful when you do hear that type of feedback you know, from, from our, my perspective, having had a, a radio show back in Maui, I remember like sitting in the bank line and then someone from the community, like a grandma or something would say, you know, I remember that show you did yesterday and it really liked the way you talked about that solar panel. And it was, and it was a really sweet, endearing kind of comment. And I thought, wow, you know, you, you do ask yourself the question of, are people listening to this right yeah. from time to time? And then you hear that and it's really re- re- reassuring. Yeah. Have you been curious about utility-scale storage? SunGrow's revolutionary liquid-cooled solution is revolutionizing the storage landscape. Its built-in DC-to-DC coupling combined with other features like higher energy density and 3% slower battery degradation make it a robust solution that companies nationwide are choosing. You can learn more about this innovative solution by SunGrow by visiting mysuncast.com forward slash SunGrow. Hey, Sunshine, clouds got you down? It doesn't have to be that way. Leading solar enterprises around the world are making the most of their investments in Sunshine with Solar Anywhere, the data and intelligence service from Clean Power Research. Whether you're designing or operating solar assets, Solar Anywhere helps you reduce project risk and improve performance benchmarking. Learn more at mysuncast.com forward slash solar anywhere. Yeah, I think the, the other thing is that, and, and Nico pointed out, and this is something a lot of people, I'm sure you both can relate to, it's, it's almost like that imposter syndrome. Like, why do, what do people want to listen to me for, right? <laughs> yeah. But I, I can't tell you, again, I have multiple examples from this show where someone said, hey, I heard you on Nico's podcast, or hey, I heard you on this thing, or do you, when you did that, and it, it's from two years ago. Yeah. They said, you right. said this one thing. And, and I have a specific example I'm thinking of right now that happened, again, it happened to me two days ago. Yeah. And somebody stopped by the booth, no idea who they are. I know who they are now, didn't know them at the time. And they said, I listened to one of your podcasts from, I think it was from December. And, and you said that we need to transition from people being sold solar to people buying solar. Yes. And I've never heard somebody say that. I thought it was wow. so cool. And just having that instant connection yeah. with a stranger mm. is something that it's hard to explain to someone so it's like 
people ask all the time, like, how do you do it? Like, you haven't missed a Monday. That's that's pretty impressive. But when you get this kind of feedback, even if it's once a year, it's all the motivation you need to to keep doing it. And it's, it's just amazing. 100%. I like earlier on, you were talking about how sometimes you might have someone on that could be perceived as a competitor. Oh, my goodness. Why would you do that? Right. But there's so much to be learned from those types of engage, of, of interactions. You know, oh, there's yeah. so many. There's so much. There's so such richness that can be discovered in that. I remember in the solar days, there'd be other installers that we would t- touch base with. And it was a, there's a camaraderie that wants to be formed or something that kind of can't that, that this is a great venue for that. Whereas if you're both in the competitive space, it's tough to become friends. Yeah. And I mean, I know I, I think I told this story on on Nico's podcast, but there was a time uh, when I was first getting into renewables when I was with IGS Energy, IGS Solar, and I was calling Sun Edison and people were like, why they're your biggest competitor, dude. It's like the biggest solar company yeah. in the world. What are you doing? I'm, well, I'm asking them, hey guys, like what projects aren't you taking and yeah. why? And you know what? That's we took them. That's how we got into solar. We were, we were doing the nonprofits that people couldn't underwrite. They were scared. How do we get dead? What we're going to do with a fund? You know, how do you look at them because they're not credit rated? And we, part of it was we didn't know what we didn't know, right? But, hey, we'll take them and we'll figure it out and we'll create a business. And then um, when Sun Edison went away, I think really what elevated my career was I, get, I got this phone call and I've told this story multiple times today. And I'll never forget, I was in Disney World with my kids again. It seems like we go to Disney all the time. <laughs> we, we don't. But uh, the, the, the other time I was in Disney with my kids and I, I'm sitting there by the pool and I get this phone call. And it's somebody that said, hey, you know, did you hear the news? Like, yeah, I heard. Well, they had 18 megawatts of projects with Amazon. And uh, we heard you were doing all, all the, oh, wow. the small stuff they didn't want. We'd like to give you a shot at it. I was like, are you, you're kidding, right? Like, uh, you know, I'm at Disney. Who is this? Right. And sure enough, you know, we executed on those. And they ended up being one of our largest clients yeah. uh, for power purchase agreements. And that's what really, I think, elevated IGS at the time into the stratosphere and me on the map started yeah. people started saying hey maybe this kid's on to something he's talking to his competitors this kid's definitely on to something i can tell you that and what he what he's on to is relationship building and that's what this uh this whole conference is all about it's one of the reasons no doubt that spencer and pat and the team at interflow hired you you are a relationship building machine and it's what you do best and um you know it's why i said it made a whole lot of sense for you to help us and host the industry pulse. And I want to, in the, in the essence of uh, the fact that we've got about 10, 15 minutes left here and we could both, we could all three talk for an hour each, just finish on one question. It's the, it's the daily roundup, but really this is the final roundup of the show. So I'm curious if there's a macro sort of a meta theme through the many Mm. interviews you did and you did and I did that we can try to, in a sense, distill down a message that we're taking away for our audience, for our clients, about what the about where our industry is through the lens of the RE Plus conference and our experience over the last three days. Nate, I prompted you a little bit, uh, bef- and Josh is just getting prompted with this question yeah. now, so I'll let you go first while he mo- while he marinates the seventeen minute answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, for me, it's it's obvious, and yeah, I appreciate the heads up, but I I think this is the easiest question. This is the biggest softball I've gotten all week. And, and the theme that I've seen from the industry pulse is that 
labor is going to be an issue if we don't start correcting some of the things in the industry that we can Ooh. continue to do better. Yes. And there's a few ways you can solve that or augment that through tech and automation. That was kind of the theme. If For those that listened or go back and listen, they'll, they'll notice this theme that came out in, in the industry pulse. And I, I mean, it was purposeful, it was thought out, um, especially through everyone I was talking to prior to having them on. And I, I think it played out exactly how I anticipated. And that's, hey, we have all these cool tech companies doing great things that can help you, that can help your customer, they can help your business, they can help you be more successful through streamlining processes, through efficiencies, through automation. And by the way, um, this industry is going to struggle hiring enough people. So we need to do, you know, you leverage that tech yeah. to continue to accelerate our growth. And it's obviously it's explosive growth. So I think that's the theme. But then on the other side of that is, well, okay, we're still going to need people. Yeah. And why aren't they flocking here? Right. I think people just assume this is the solar industry or renewables. People are just going to flock here. Climate tech. Yeah. Right. And that's just not the case. And I think that there were so many good points that the speakers brought up that I've personally learned so much about it. And just thinking about it's one thing to attract talent, but you got to keep talent. And I think it, uh, Alex had, had talked about that from Baywall RE, and she said, you know, it's funny. She was the only one that was like, maybe there's not a labor shortage yet. Mm. But her thing was, it's one thing to attract them, but if you're not, if you're not going to cultivate that and have that awesome culture to keep them, then really, what are you doing? And yeah. and I would say also the the other theme I picked up, and especially talking to Abby today and at the end and. Uh, some of the the speakers we had on yesterday is just we need we still have a little bit more work to do with diversity and inclusion in the industry and if we want to attract more people then again we have to have cultures and and things in place that enable we have to go out we have to pound the streets we got to get people we got to put our arm around them and say you're coming with me we're bringing you into this industry this is a fun industry. It's growing. There's tons of opportunity. We'll train you. You don't need a college degree. And we need to bring them along so that they see what we see. So that's, that's what I hope the people got out of our segments. Um, I know that's what I got. That's what I felt. That's the energy. And I hope that you know, it just inspires people to go out there and do just that. Yeah. You're coming with me. Thank you. I couldn't agree more. I mean, really, especially that, that notion of creating a welcoming industry for people from other environments to come and be a part of this. I certainly saw some articles talking about movement out of you know Silicon Valley and kind of the current technical scene there and moving into here at that level, but across the entire American kind of society, you know, we want to see that happen. I mean, I, I tend, when you asked the question just then, I thought of the impacts, the way that each of the different companies are trying to understand how the IRA is going to impact their business. Right. That's something that was just pretty much ubiquitous, right? Yeah. So, and, and things that really surprised me. And a lot of it was kind of speculative. Like, we kind of think it's going to go like this, yeah. but they weren't small pieces. It was like a complete game-changing result. Right. You know, like you were looking at load control panels and we're like, and they're stacking up so many of the incentives. And I, and I go, wait, hang on, before you get to there, I think it's already free. I mean- that's a, a really unique way of looking at being at a show and going, hey, this legislation just passed and we're not sure, but this might actually be free now. I mean, literally, I saw that a handful of times. And then we talked to some other fellas that were, you know, they, they were like 
bootstrapping young entrepreneurs creating amazing technology and then maybe they hadn't really had a chance to read you know some of the highlights of that and i said to them i think there might be a really special opportunity here for you yeah and i kind of think and for example one company uh was a plug-and-play legit plug-and-play solar uh technology the name is escaping me markstrom is that the name of it mark yeah so but the great guys uh uh and they they had a battery and then a, these flexible solar modules and we're like, what is this? And it literally is a plug and play. Like uh, if you have rent a house, you could put this in it, right? Wow. And then I started to say, hey, man, you got to look at some of these uh, things that are happening with the IRA. I think you're going to be applicable yeah. at this stage. And they're like, oh, that's awesome. I don't believe we're going to do that. You know. So I saw that across all, from every company, from the big boys like Solar Edge and Enphase all the way through to guys like that that are bootstrapping these awesome innovations. Uh, you know, We're in a very dynamic industry changing time and they're not small changes to people's businesses. They could be really like make it kind of changes. Yeah. I'm glad that we left 45 minutes for the final roundup because we're going to need it. Last uh, in 2019, when we did the, uh, the, the podcast lounge, the roundups were 45 minutes to an hour <laughs> and it was fun and we would go on and on like this. And I really enjoy it. Um, which is why my podcast is often 60 plus minutes. So I agree on all fronts and, um, the labor shortage in our industry is not insignificant and it's high time that we get off of the talent carousel where we create our own inflation by uh -huh. giving someone the same technical skill and a higher salary every 18 months to two years. And they go to the next company doing the exact same thing for $2 an hour more. And then they go to the next company 16 months later for $2 an hour more doing the exact same thing. And there's no standardized uh, metric around what a tech one versus tech two versus tech three on the roof or in the field is doing. And there's this confusion and a non-standard way that we're, uh, that we're growing. And I heard that from people like Regan Moen, who runs O&M for Solve, the, one of the largest O&M providers in the, in the United States. But at a macro level, when I think about the biggest takeaways that I had through this week, it really comes back to something that you said that it, um, it really resonates. We're moving from people being sold to people buying solar and the technology innovation around solar, which includes storage and smart home. Uh, and I'll, I'll amplify that by the fact that if you go around this trade show floor and if you listen to any of the conversations here, and I think that the SMA conversation is one that really, really well enunciates it, the message is maturing in this industry that attracts a consumer by doing the one thing that consumers care about, which is diminishing their discomfort, right? <laughs> we have to think about the Nest, the reason that we had, uh, we had Hannah Bascom from Google talk from Nest talk about um, how Nest is, is, is growing. And the reason that Nest is probably the all-time best-selling home, smart home appliance out that's not uh, Alexa is because it takes something so simple, the thermostat, and it allows you to make micro adjustments with automation, right? Algorithmic change in the life we, without having to think about it. It's literally set it and forget it. And oh, by the way, you can fix it if you want. If it actually makes your house too hot, it's not tied to demand response. It's not something scary like that. And, but it starts to slowly boil the frog, right? And get the consumer used to the idea that Things are going to change and start catering to my needs without me needing to be a super tech wonk all the way on the left side of uh, the, the change curve, right? Being an innovator, 
or an early adopter. We're moving into the early majority and used to use the crossing the chasm parlance. And that message maturity, you can see from companies um, like SMA and Span and, um, and Fluence and SunGrow, where even through the booth experience, you can see that they're not treating the installer the same way. They're not treating it as a hyper-technical experience. Mm. Rather, they're educating both. The, they're educating the consumer now through the installer. And the gaps that we saw are a lack of uh, real, like real training at scale. And a lack of people to to take that training and and become the solar army that we all envision, right? And I think that the other thing uh, I'll, I'll highlight two more things that stood out to me this week. Josh and I were on a panel with Mike Casey, and I'll give him all the credit for this because he points out all the time that we are an industry that lacks political action mm-hmm. for all of the beautiful uh, the bounty that is coming to us from the IRA. The petroleum industry outspends us two thousand to one, like. Stop and think about that. 2,000 to one. The industry that creates enough FUD to drown us, fear, uncertainty, and doubt, is doing so to the tune of $4 billion. You can literally effectively go get a job as a professional fear creator in the the petroleum industry. And it's easy to compete against our less than half a million dollars that we raise in the two packs that matter for the industry. So the call to arms is more than just create content. It's more, which we love, right? And there are great content creators in this industry that are making beautiful content, but it really will amount to nothing if we don't pull out our wallets and go tell Congress what's important to us. Not just because the IRA is in existence will it matter. We have to keep at it and we have to do it at scale. And the second thing that stood out to me, and this I think was like also illustrative of every single booth beyond like everybody wants to be in the home, which is, the tail is wagging the dog now. Solar is uh, storage wins. Mm. In the IRA, storage wins. It's decoupled. The ITC is separate. And now you're going to see every developer that was developing solar is now a storage developer that enables solar because you can, let's face it, you can get interconnection with storage a whole lot faster and cheaper because it's a smaller footprint. Mm. And then you concentrically build out beyond that storage. So those were the macro themes that I saw. And uh, it, it's really an exciting time to be in this industry. The show is as vibrant as I've ever seen. Abby said uh, and a couple of hours ago, more than 25,000 attendees, and she expects this to be bigger in next year in Vegas. You got the 25,000 number. Yeah. That was actually there. Yeah, yeah we were all thinking it was going to hit the 25,000. 25, and that is the show, folks. You heard it. They just announced RE Plus 2022 is officially over with the crescendo of the daily roundup finishing at the same time. I'd like to take a quick moment and, again, thank our team. Thank the Real Life team for video streaming. Thank SunGrow and Tygo right. for sponsoring the live stream. Thank Fluence, SunGrow, AES, Aurora, SolReet, and SMA for being supporting sponsors. And last but certainly, certainly not least, Leyline Renewable Capital for helping us bring this daily roundup to you since Monday afternoon. Thanks to my co-host, Josh Porter, and our stand-in co-host here for our Industry Pulse, Nathan Giovanelli. Thank you for joining us for this show. I'm out. Thank you once again for tuning in. This has been the Daily Roundup segment of our show that is broadcast live from the RE Plus 22 show in Anaheim, California. I hope that you will continue to tune in as we are broadcasting live from the show floor. If you're here in Anaheim, once again, I'd remind you to come by and check us out at booth 438. It is right in the middle of the show floor. And we are also live streaming to www.suncast.live 
And I hope that you will check out the agenda for the show as well. You can check that out at re-plus.com forward slash media zone. It's a lot of alphabet soup of URL. So I hope that at the very least, if you're at the show, come by and check us out. But take us on the go if you can't stop by. Again, that's suncast.live. I want to thank those who helped make this show possible. In particular, it's presented by Fluence. And we have some amazing supporting sponsors. I hope that you all enjoyed this daily roundup and that you'll tune in for the successive daily roundups and for the replays that we have coming of all the live and the wonderful conversations we're having with industry leaders about what's happening, not just here on the show floor, but in the industry at large. And if you are new to listening, I would encourage you to check out the more than 500 amazing founder stories and startup advice throughout our clean tech journey as I've cataloged it all over the last seven years on our podcast called Suncast. You can find out more about Suncast and the many, many founders and C-suite and frontline folks who are helping build the clean tech economy. If you go to mysuncast.com and subscribe in whatever podcast player you like. We have a lot of folks that subscribe through Apple, iTunes, and Spotify, but I encourage you to check out the podcast, mysuncast.com. And again, watch the live stream to hear and see more of the content that we're producing right here from Anaheim. Thank you for joining us. You can find more at suncast.live or right here on the show floor. See you next time.